I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source and pro power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And let's see what Duff McKagan's got for us with the much anticipated joke of the week. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling. Uh, hope you're doing well. Hope everybody's doing well. Uh, listen, I hear it's a law that you have to turn on your windshield wipers when it's raining in Sweden. Well, how am I supposed to know when it's raining in Sweden? Thank you very much. Oh, man, that may be worse than a dad joke. And even worse, I think he's used that one before. <laughs> but it's okay. We love Duff for never missing a week, even when he's on tour with Guns N' Roses. They're out all summer. Date and ticket information at GunsNRoses.com. Don't forget Fozzie's big show, August 25th at the O2 Forum in Kentishtown in London. Our biggest show ever on All Out Weekend. Go to FozzieRock.com for all ticket and VIP information for Fozzie's biggest headlining show ever. But today, John and Jamie from True Crime Cast return. This time, they're breaking down the mysterious circumstances surrounding the death of actor-comedian Bob Saget. Bob was found dead in his hotel room at the Ritz-Carlton in Orlando, Florida on January 9th, 2022. His death was ruled an accident, and officials say it was caused likely by him falling and hitting his head in his hotel room. But as you're about to hear, there are many questions surrounding the circumstances of his death, and many people are not convinced the case is as open and shut as authorities made it out to be. We'll talk about the fact there's no blood found anywhere in the room and that all the furniture was padded or soft and the room was carpeted except for the bathroom. No eyewitnesses, uh, no key card records or video footage indicating someone else had entered Bob's room between the time he checked in and the time his body was found the next day. And his family immediately had all records around his death permanently sealed. It's very mysterious. That means all photographs, videos, audios, and autopsy information collected by the Florida sheriff and medical examiner will never be available to the public. So what happened to Bob Saget? Could a fall in a hotel room result in that kind of life-ending injury, shattering his skull, essentially? We'll examine what we know about Bob's death, explore the possibilities of what might have happened in that hotel room, and discuss some of the other theories that circulated about the death of Bob Saget with John and Jamie from True Crycast, right here, right now, on Talk is Jericho.
All right, so uh, it's the return of regular guests, John and Jamie from True Crime Cast. Always a pleasure to have you guys. I think this is probably the, I don't know, fourth or fifth time that we've uh, gotten together for our sordid tales of madness and and murder and all the things that we talk about. But today's a little bit different because it's more of a celebrity slant to it with something that kind of was forgotten. It was big news for, for a while, a few months, and then just completely went away with no resolve. This, of course, is the very strange death of Bob Saget. So essentially, I mean, I'll just let you guys kind of start and, and take it away. Like, I know you guys always suggest topics. How do we decide on this one? Yeah, I think right after Bob Saget's death, you reached out to Jamie and said, what the crap is up with this, right? And so it's been on our radar ever since the day that it happened or right after it happened. And to be honest, it's just taken kind of this long for any information to come out because, I mean, one of the fishy things that happened was his family putting in an injunction to not release records. So, right. I mean, that's part of the story, too, and we'll get to that. It's been tough to research this one. Well, you did send me a link to the Vice show. And of course, those are always a little bit sensationalistic and, and you know, they, they put together an entertaining 45 minutes. But man, did it ever open up a lot of questions and a lot of different theories and thoughts and, 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 and things that just don't make a lot of sense. So why don't we start from the beginning and get into this whole, in a lot of ways, kind of a mystery, a lot of ways, a facade, a lot of ways, a bunch of lies, a lot of ways, a lot of misinformation. Uh, let's just get started with what you guys have, have put together here. Yeah, there's... There's a lot going on here, and I think to understand a lot of the, if you're going to speculate as to why something may have happened that was nefarious in Bob Saget's hotel room, let's. I think we need to get better background on him and his career and those kinds of things. So, yes, so we'll start there. Bob Robert Saget was born in 1956 in Philadelphia. Uh, grew up kind of a normal family there. His dad worked at a grocery store. His mom worked at a hospital as an administrator. They moved around a lot, ended up in Norfolk, Virginia, L.A., but ultimately he ended up back in Pennsylvania where he graduated from high school and then went on to film school at Temple. And it said that he always had kind of an interest in, he was always filming the home movies. Yeah, and he loved stand-up comedy, and that was something that he did throughout his career. He made some documentaries early on. One was called Through Adam's Eyes, and that earned him a Student Academy Award in 1978. He would go on to graduate from Temple in 78 and then move to L.A. afterwards. And he was going to go to the University of Southern California, ended up dropping out there to really focus all of his energy on stand-up comedy and seeking roles in film and television. And he became friends with some successful folks, Jamie, right? Like Gary Shandling. He met his manager, Brad Gray. And in 1983, he married his high school sweetheart, Sherry Kramer, Started getting some small roles in TV and, and television at that point. Yeah, he was really trying to break into television was the deal there and, and doing so much stand-up comedy. That's, of course, where they all start. In 1987, he got a job on a wake-up morning show called The Morning Program on CBS. And if you look at looking back now, it was, it was what led to the idea of Wake Up San Francisco. He was a morning TV man, but the CBS executive said he's too hot for morning. <laughs> now, I think that uh, likely refers to his language. Uh, his... I'm hot enough for a podcast, you know, like yeah. <laughs> I'm for radio. Well, he had the mouth of a sailor. So uh, they took him off morning, put him on evenings. But eventually he did get cast as America's dad, Danny Tanner, 
on Full House, which is his most famous role. He's played it, if you include the newer shows, for for 20-something years. Now, Chris, you're a little bit older than us, and you're from Canada. Was Full House in, in like the wheelhouse of what your family watched at all? Oh, absolutely. It was, uh, I mean, it, I wouldn't say the family watched it, but I remember it was so popular, especially with John Stamos being on, you know, the, the stupidity of Dave Coulier. But Bob Saget was always kind of the normal one. Uncle Jesse was hot. Coulier was the wacky guy. But Saget was seen like the, the normal guy. And then, of course, when he went to f- funny videos, America's Funniest Videos, we used to watch just to see his horrible jokes that he told with the terrible cutaways of like, you know, he'd say something stupid. They'd show some guy laughing with something. It obviously had nothing to do with what he just said. But he was everywhere. He was part ingrained into the pop culture system at that point in time, you know? Yeah, he really was. He had a lot going on and really blew up there in kind of the mid-90s. And if you've not seen Full House, maybe you've been living under a rock. He plays, like you said, the straight-edge dad, raising three daughters on his own. His brother-in-law, John Stamos, and his best friend, Dave Coulier, move in with him. Right. And at the end of every episode, I can hear that music where he sits down on the bed next to her and he pats her on the state or on the leg and he says, you know, Deej. And then he gives us a life lesson that helps us all till today. I mean, he was America's dad. Right. Danny Tanner was more of a dad to me than my real dad. Like I learned more (laughs) from Danny Tanner than I did from anything my dad taught me. But like we said, his stand up comedy, like he kept doing that throughout his career. Are you familiar with much of his stand up? Well, I know that he got pretty blue, shall we say. Like, kind of talk about his stand-up was the exact opposite of the image that he had with uh, with Danny Tanner and with Funniest Videos. Yeah, it was pretty vulgar and offensive, and it was pretty much the polar opposite of who we thought he was with his character, Danny Tanner. For people our age, that was a shock because we were, you know, we thought of him as the world's best dad. Right. He would go on to host... My favorite show probably of all time was America's Funniest Home Videos. We talked about that a little bit already, but like that was something my family did. I think it was Sunday night. You would watch AFV and right. he made the show. Like I've tried to watch it since then. And shoot, what's the guy doing it now from Fresh Prince? Carlton Banks from Fresh Prince. I can't remember his yeah. Well, here's here's a little bit of a Jericho trivia. I was up for that gig and I lost it to Alfonso Rivera. Wow. And as a matter of fact, the, the the producer, Vin DeBona, said I had the job, but ABC uh, wanted Alfonso Ribeiro. So they had a little bit of a head to head and I lost. So there you go. It could have been me. I mean, it could have been me. If it's not Danny Tanner, then it, it should have been you, Chris. I got your back on that one. And it's not been as good of a show since Bob left it in the 90s. You could have brought it back. What was the audition like? Did you watch videos and just make your own silly Danny Tanner jokes? No. Yeah. I mean, actually, I, I, I played guitar. Actually, there is an episode of America's Funniest Home Videos with me in front of a live studio audience. And I sang a song about one of the things and played guitar on it. And like I said, Vin DeBona, who's the creator, was super high on me for this. And it was a long process. It was about eight months or so wow. before I finally got like the 45-second phone call that said you didn't get the gig. But there was meetings and meetings upon meetings and meetings upon meetings upon meetings. But yeah, so it was more than an audition. I actually did like a screen test with a, with an actual studio audience. That sucks, man. I would have loved to see you in that role. Oh, I know, man. It sucked for me too. It still bugs me. I didn't get it. We can do another <laughs> crime episode on that. Crime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they missed the boat. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. 
From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. So continue on. So, so let's talk about kind of his risque comedy. Yeah, it was around the time when when he moved out to L.A. was when his comedy really changed quite a bit. And he was on a documentary that was called The Aristocrats. And this was made in 2005. And there's a joke in that that they had all the comics tell about The Aristocrats. And it's something I would never repeat on somewhere that's recorded. But have you ever heard this bit? I'm not even going to start to say it. If it, it is... Some people think it's the dirtiest joke ever told. The concept of it is it's the same beginning and the same end, but the middle, you just improv it with the dirtiest material you can think of. That's kind of the concept of the aristocrats, right? And his was, it was bad. It was hard to watch. Yeah. That's when people realized who he was. For me, it was when he was in Entourage and I saw an episode of Entourage with him playing himself and it was, it was really tough to watch there as well. Um, In 1997, he got divorced. Uh, he would get married again later down the road that we'll talk about, but that was uh, the end of his marriage to his high school sweetheart. And around the late 90s, he started getting into more directorial roles. He re- recorded one, uh, made a documentary about the death of his sister. It was called For Hope. Uh, he went on to direct Dirty Work with Norm MacDonald, which for my money is one of the most underrated comedies of the 90s. Yeah. And then he hosted, he hosted another show. He hosted One Versus 100 which was a very unique and odd game show. Uh, his biggest role in my adult life was probably the voice of older Ted on How I Met Your Mother. So he's done a little bit of everything. He hasn't ventured into actual physical sports and, and having a rock band, to my knowledge, Chris. But you guys are both <laughs> you're busy guys. Let's get into the heart of why we're here today. So he died on January 9th, 2022, in a Ritz-Carlton Hotel in Orlando, Florida. Chris, I'm sure you're probably familiar. You've probably been there before, if I had to guess. I think I actually have, to be honest with you, yeah. So the night before his death, he had performed his second show of I Don't Do Negative. This was a tour that that he was doing there in Vertebrate Beach, Florida. And he performed a two-hour set, which is near a really long time for a stand-up comedy act. Sure, a long time. Yeah, it was very well received. Everyone involved said that he was full of energy. He was well-spoken and he was absolutely killing it on stage. And he was relatable, vulnerable, and hilarious. Like everybody that interacted with him before he went back to his room seemed like he was his normal self. After the show, he drove around two hours to the Ritz-Carlton. He checked into the hotel, keyed into his room, and the key card had a timestamp when it was used and it was 2.17 a.m. And he almost immediately opened the door back up and put a do not disturb sign on the door. And then we next hear from Saget when he ends uh, the night on a tweet that was sent out at 3.42 a.m. And it was a selfie taken on stage from the event that he had just did. And it said, love tonight's show at the VPV concert hall in Jacksonville. And he appreciated the audience. And he did a thank you again to at Real Tim Wilkins for opening. and went on to say that it was a great show. It was a two hour set. He loved it. So he ended that tweet three forty two AM. 
Jamie and I have talked about, does he do his own tweeting? And I would imagine at that time in the morning, it was probably him if I had to guess. Yeah, it seemed like he did, right? Because he posted the selfie of himself on stage. And like you said, talked about doing a two-hour set. And he said, I'm addicted to this shit again. Yeah. So obviously, he's very happy with what he's doing. He's happy with the show. He's happy to be on the road. No moroseness there at all. Yeah. It was a good way to end the night, seemed like. And it seemed like he was really rebounding kind of his life. He he had married Kelly Rizzo a few years earlier. He, um, If you saw Fuller House, which was the yeah. unfortunate <laughs> further telling of Fuller, he just, everybody looked, yeah, how you expect them to look, except John Stamos, who doesn't age very much. Yeah. But Bob Sag, it was sad that he just kind of wasn't himself. I know he's come off of some hard times, but it seemed like for him, I'm getting back into the onto the road for this comedy bit. So the next morning, Saget missed his checkout time. And just before 4 p.m., that's when hotel staff keyed into his room and found Bob Saget unresponsive in his bed. And by all accounts, he was laying on his back. He was under the covers with one arm across his chest and the other out to his side. Upon inspection early, there was no evidence of foul play or any drug use. And I know that was speculated a lot that maybe that he was... He had OD'd or maybe the drugs were involved in some way. The room was was in order. There was no evidence of any kind of struggle. There were no apparent wounds at first glance on his body. And there were, like I said, no drugs or alcohol near Saget's body. One thing that did stand out was that Saget had some swelling and bruising around his left eye. And he took the selfie uh, with a fan from earlier in that night. And it did not look like that. So this happened after he checked into the hotel is when that bruising popped up. Now there was an autopsy completed and and it did reveal that Bob Saget died of head trauma and the medical examiner stated that it is most probable that the decedent suffered an unwitnessed fall backwards and struck the posterior aspect of his head. And he ruled that the official manner of death was an accident and there were hemorrhages on the back of his head. This caused bleeding on the brain. There were fractures on the back of his skull and he had contusions to the front of his brain to go along with the cracked orbital bone. So this was a major fall or blow to the back of the head. And I think that's going to be important as we go throughout this case. And that was the first thing that made it stand, right? And they said he fell and hit his head. And I've been in several hotels. And Chris, I know you're in them all the time. But uh, since this happened, and I look around thinking, where could I fall and bust my head? Right. Has this crossed your mind in a room, Chris? I feel the same way. I mean, like when you see, you know, the whole concept that he fell, okay, and you're looking at this hotel room, even if you see the Vice special, if anybody's wants to check that out, I'm sure you can find it online. Well, you can find it online. There's a little lip on the shower, and you would have to fall right on it, which, listen, things happen, right? But like you mentioned, his skull was like crushed in the back and the front. So that is why like you can't just fall, slip in the shower, hit your head on the little granite lip and shatter the back and front of your skull. Yeah. That to me is something that that was when they pointed that out, I was like, Oh my gosh, I didn't realize just how messed up it was. And I think that if you did have an accidental fall that caused that much damage, number one, I'm not Chris Jericho, so I'm not getting up from that. Like if it did that (laughs) much damage, all joking aside, I'm down. And then two, how do you fall that hard to do that much damage? And there's no forensic evidence in the room. And I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but like I would have left hair, blood, spit. I would have probably pissed my pants if I hit that hard. 
and there's nothing. And you mentioned that lip. If you fall on that, you're that's going to break your skin. You're going to be bleeding. There was blood or hair nowhere. You mentioned that on the documentary, it shows the room. You can find pictures of the entire hotel room online, readily available, just none with Bob Saget in them, which is part of what uh, got suppressed legally. You can see not a lot of furniture's moved, not a lot of trash laying around. The inside lock of his room, which was number 962, which is going to be important, was latched from the inside. Instigator or investigator said that they checked all the countertops, those lips you mentioned, chairs, like all the furniture was covered in cloth and they couldn't find any sign of a dent, a crack, anything on the floor. They found nothing to suggest they knew where or how he fell if this was indeed a fall. Even his headboard was padded. So that kind of left out the likelihood that he fell and was already in bed, which I think goes to what John, where John was going earlier of. If he's that badly injured, how does he just lay down and get in bed? And it seems odd that he would be awake enough to make sure that he puts everything on charge because you can see his nightstand, his phone's there, his iPad's there, his AirPods are there, everything's plugged in. It looks like my nightstand when I sleep in a hotel, but for him to be aware to get everything done, and maybe he fell after he plugged things up, I don't know, but it seems hard to believe that he would be so organized in bed, laying as if he was sleeping, not just falling onto the bed. Like that's. You mentioned there you could hit that lip on a specific spot, and maybe there is a level of hitting your head that allows you to do something orderly and then just die. But I would think there would be some kind of staggering around or misplacing, knocking something over if he was that hurt. Well, and once again, like you said, his phone was plugged in. His iPad was plugged in. There's no blood. There's no hair. If he did, once again, if he did slip and fall... He wouldn't be able to clean up the mess that he had left because he'd be dead. And everything was so orderly. Even the, the the towel on the edge of the shower was still unmoved. Right. What's the next kind of uh, event that happens now? With the room being so clean, people, myself included, like I wondered, did he leave the room and something happened and then somebody brought him back to the room? But it's really clear that whatever happened to Sag, it happened in that room. There's no way that he would have driven two hours with the you know head injury had it happened somewhere else. And he's seen on hotel security footage, walking through the lobby, down the hall to his room. He was acting perfectly normal on the videotape and he's not seen leaving the room anytime. So he walked in himself and something happened to him while he was there. We talked about the, the text or the tweet rather. He t- was able to tweet out something shortly before 4 a.m., and everything seemed fine on that text. Everything about Saget when he entered the Ritz-Carlton suggested that he was of sound mind, he was uninjured, and he was in a really good mood. Yeah, going back to that tweet, though, if let's say that he did type it, which given the time of morning, we think he probably did, and he sent that at 342, you would think he had not recently had a severe head trauma if he's able to type all that out. That's a pretty concise, clear thought that's well-written and thoughtful, no grammar issues. Right. I wouldn't think he would be able to do that. The coroner believes that the time of death was around 4 a.m. So that would mean if he did send the tweet at 342 on his own, then he got up, fell and hit his head, somehow recovered enough to get everything cleaned up and organized to get back in the bed and die within about a 20-minute time frame. Jeez. Now, I realize time of death is approximate, but even if you add another 30 minutes to that, that short window of... 
him going from that tweet to accidentally falling and, and taking care of everything he needs to. It, like John said earlier, it would take me several moments. And especially if you're unconscious, you're not going to just bounce up. And if you're in your 70s like he was. Something that bothered me about this case is just how quickly news broke. I mean, we live in 2023. News is going to get out quickly, but it really got out too quickly because some of the police officers that were working the scene got in trouble because they had texted family and and friends pictures and information about what they were working on, that being Bob Saget's death. So the news got out before authorities could even update Bob Saget's family as to what was happening. And that's just not cool at all. And these guys got in trouble for this. Wow. Okay. So they, they got in trouble for that because they kind of leaked it before the family was even called. Right. Yeah. It was pretty easily traceable back to the police officers themselves. And then once official news came out, there was an outpouring of love from all of Saget's former co-stars, friends, and it was very quickly announced. No foul play is suspected, which I think if you repeat that more than once in a press release about somebody dying, that there's no foul play, that that leads to bigger speculation that there was foul play than if they had just said he fell. And then, like you said, I think early in this case, Bob Saget's family filed legal paperwork that would prevent the public from accessing any information about Saget's death and medical examination. So this filing prevented any photos, including his injuries or his body, not to be shared with anybody. But you can still find some pictures of the hotel room online, but Medical records, medical examiner's records, all that stuff is private and sealed. We'll never see that. And Chris, I think this is when you went from, oh, this is kind of sketchy to something's going on here. I think I got a, a text the next day that said, look at what his family did. This is fishy AF. Right. This was kind of the line that was crossed to say, this is weird. And why do you think his family did that? It still doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't to me either. Celebrities pass away all the time, unfortunately. And this just seemed like a very different way to handle it than most of those other families do, from my experience, at least. I've wondered internally, like the, the official cause of death is listed as accidental. So there's no open case that we are aware of. But I wondered, like, did police have something and they just wanted to hold their cards close to their chest? So they encouraged family to file this. That's totally me speculating. But it's the only thing that makes sense to me, but it's immediately contradicted by the fact that there's no open case. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not. It's th It could be a lot of different reasons, but none of them, I think, line up with, with what we've seen. It kept getting more and more suspicious after this. Mentioned it, it was a hit to the back of his head. He had, like you mentioned, the back was crushed. The orbital bones, like his eye sockets, were were broken. But they think that he actually hit the back of his head and didn't hit the front at all, which is which is interesting in and of its own right. Is it, I mean, I'm not a physicist, but is it possible to hit the back of your head so hard that that happens? We've got some quotes coming up here from some experts, but I don't know. Uh, Chris, you've been around more injuries than we have. You hit in the back of the head. You ever gotten black eyes from that? Well, I mean, no. I mean, I mean, nor have I ever gotten hit back of the head so hard that it crushes the front of my head either. Right. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.
Everything that we've been saying, listen, I, th- I think we should move to, like you said, let's get some quotes going on here because there's, we know that this is fishy AF, as I told you in the text. There is no way you could have fallen on the, well, listen, let me rephrase that. It seems very, very fantastic that he would fall on the back of his head, get up, clean up any blood or mess, get into bed and die. Yeah. And the front of his head is crushed as well. I don't think you could even do that. If, if your skull was crushed, you're not getting up and getting into bed. Completely agree. So the first quote, Jamie, I'll do this one. Dr. Gavin Britz, who was the chair of neurosurgery at a Houston University hospital, he said, this is something that I find with someone with a baseball bat to the head or who has fallen from 20 to 30 feet. Jeez. So going from standing to fallen wouldn't do this. And he said it, it's even closely resembles that of somebody being hit with a baseball bat to the head. I don't think you can fall with that much force and see the injuries that he had. Yeah, it's definitely suspect. But there are people who disagree. This is Dr. Leanna Wynn, who's a public health professor at George Washington, said, falling from standing, especially onto a hard surface like a bathtub or the hard ground, can cause the kind of injury that Mr. Baggett received. A fracture in the back of the skull could lead to fractures in other parts of the skull. That kind of force could also lead to bleeding inside the brain. There's another doctor who would disagree with her, Dr. Joshua Marcus, who was a medical doctor with neurosurgery at Nuvance Health. And he said that this doesn't smell like a benign head trauma here. He said it looks like someone who had a major roll down the stairs, a car accident, a bicycle accident, or a motorcycle accident. Jeez. So not just a fall, but major, major accident. Major trauma. Like almost like blunt force trauma here. Exactly. And I wanted to point out, we just quoted a few different doctors, and you can find a ton more, but in every example that I looked at, a doctor that studies neurology or brain specifically all said this is abnormal. And everybody that they got to quote and say that this could happen was a more general physician. Now, I don't know what to make of that. I didn't go to medical school, but it was something that stood out as I was reading the quotes. It continued to escalate in... All of the media experts everywhere were were talking, and I don't know if if they were only posting the controversial opinions or what, but this is a very controversial situation that came up in Syracuse. Robert Newlander was on trial for killing his wife, Leslie. She had very similar injuries and almost identical brain scans to Bob Saget. Shortly after Saget's death, celebrity medical examiner, Dr. Michael Baden, who also worked on the death determinations of JFK and Martin Luther King, so that's where the celebrity piece comes in, weighed in and said that these were classic signs of a fall from a standing position. So that's what he said about Bob Saget. Less than a month later, he adamantly defended the findings in Saget's autopsy while he went on to testify that Robert Newlander did kill his wife because her injuries were not consistent with standing to falling. So we have people that are adamant on one side of the science, but when it's Bob Saget, they're saying something completely different. And this so, is somebody who has a, a big audience. So Michael, ba- Dr. Michael Baden is the guy that did the this examination, but he's also the guy who worked on determinations for John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King. And both of those situations are shrouded in controversy Still controversial yeah and yeah and so to see this guy coming out to saying that about bob saget i don't know it's interesting because he it seems like he's the guy to cover up some stuff yes wow yeah let's 
let's take a closer look at the scene. Like we mentioned nothing was out of place, but there are some things of note. So you can find pictures of some of this online, but Saget likely took a shower at some point. There's an open bar of soap and a bottle of shampoo in the shower. However, there was still a towel folded on the edge of the bathtub and it was very neatly folded. So I'm thinking this is the, the bath mat that you would put down to keep you from slipping. And it's still on the edge of the bathtub. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it's still neatly folded after a shower. Like I, I think you'd have to be very careful not to touch it at all for it to still be neatly folded. But, but then if you fell and hit it, then it yeah. certainly wouldn't be that way. There was a bottle of soda in the trash can and there was a used glass, but none of the alcohol in the room had been touched. His jeans, shirt, and jacket were neatly hanging up in the closet. And like you said, Jamie, the nightstand looked like any other hotel nightstand that I've ever been in with his phone, iPad, chapstick, AirPods, iPad, and a bottle of water. And like we mentioned earlier, everything was padded and soft. So experts say that if he had fallen on a hard corner like a bathtub or sink, then this would have resulted in bleeding. But there was absolutely no sign of blood anywhere in the room. And there was no blood on his pillow. And that always struck me, Chris, like, how do you suffer this kind of fall where there would have been bleeding and there's not even blood on the pillow? That makes no sense to me. No, it doesn't. Now, there's another piece here that really is the one that perked my ears up and made my hair kind of stand on end. We mentioned he was in room 962 at this hotel and the inside was locked, which you close the door. It locks automatically, but there's an extra bolt. There's an extra latch. A lot of ways to block yourself in a room, which makes it almost impossible for somebody to come into Bob Saget's room, kill him, and leave, and it still be locked from the inside. We've covered other cases where that latch has come into account in testimony. However, he was in one of those rooms that had an adjoining hotel room. And between rooms 962 and 961 next door, that door was unlocked. If I go into a hotel, the first thing I do to that door is make sure it's locked in case somebody's in the next room. But to me, this is, if you're looking for how could somebody get in and out of there, that's where it jumps out to me as as being possible. Was that a big reveal? Did that do anything for you when you saw it in the documentary, Chris? Well, yeah, it seemed very suspicious. And once again, just another one of these kind of clues that just got left unresolved. Yeah, You know, we talk about this quite a bit when you guys are on about how these you know, serial killers get caught and they just walk out the front door of the police station like four or five times before they eventually get tagged. This is the same thing with me. All of these clues, they're just like, meh, the door's open. His skull's crushed. Whatever. He fell. Let's go. Yeah, there's 10 different things that are very unlikely to happen all happened at once. But yeah, the, the open door opens the door, pun intended, for any number of situations. The hotel did say they had on record anybody who had been in 961 while, while Saget was there but from what I can tell, the hotel only tracks key card access. So if you're in a room and leave, it's not going to have a timestamp on that. It only keeps track of when the card is scanned. The camera footage of the hallway hasn't been released, which is I think is important. And while the police ask for information from the lock interrogation system, which is how they keep track of the checks in and out, that also hasn't been released to the public. So for these things we're hearing about, we know nobody was in the room. That's not really been released. But even if they had, in theory, this is something that could have happened. Somebody could have knocked on 962 for Bob Saget. He opens it from the inside. Mm -hmm. Maybe he lets him in because he knows them. Or maybe he's murdered on accident or on purpose. And then they lock the room 962 from the inside. 
leave into 961 and leave out that door without ever triggering a key lock event on the interrogation system. So if you're wondering how it's possible, that's only one way. But just the fact that that door was unlocked opens that entire scenario to be possible. And if that happened, we would have video footage if the cameras were working of someone leaving 961. Yeah. Yeah. But those have not been released to the public. Really? And why not? Because of the legal filing they made in court not to release any of the documents or any of the the video. So if we had access to that video, somebody does. Which the we important could see yeah. if somebody was there or not. The cause of death was accident, which means the case is closed, which means it would be access, uh, accessible through FOIA or through an open records request. So that's why it makes this so odd because that determination of accident, murder, undetermined is what allows a lot of different things to happen. So we still don't have any footage of that. We still don't have any information about the key card swipes potentially into 961. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. So what's the public's reaction to all this? I mean, obviously the three of us are sitting here just completely dumbfounded and agog on the whole situation. What's the public saying? There, If you go and Google this, which I don't necessarily recommend doing that without a very specific search, You can find theories, conjecture, rumors everywhere online. And if you're looking for something to match up to your opinion of what happened, you're going to find it. But here are some things that have have come out online. One initial celebrity reaction is that there was a Facebook post by a major news outlet that was on Facebook. And then Hulk Hogan posted that he believed that the jab, the COVID-19 vaccine, would have killed Bob Saget. He later edited those comments, but I don't think he knows that you can see the edit history, but that is what it is. And that's not an uncommon theory. I've talked to people recently when just talking about this case, and they believe that perhaps the vaccine caused the fall. So he had a cardiac episode or got lightheaded because he had been vaccinated or he fell and then the vaccination caused, made him more susceptible to the brain bleeding. So that is much more common than I expected it to be when looking online. Yeah. I don't know. This seems, I don't want to slander a guy, but like this is out there. So we'll just talk about it. But there are people who believe that perhaps Bob Saget was a pedophile. A lot of that comes from his joke that we mentioned earlier on the aristocrats. Right. You can't make that huge of a claim when there's really no evidence other than something the guy says to get laughs. But yeah. Talking about pedophilia and sex obviously was not, out of character for him in his stand-up bits, he was filthy and he would sometimes talk about that. So you'll find people out there that believed he was living as a pedophile or perhaps a sex predator of some kind and that somebody decided that he needed to die, whether it's just because they knew that conspiracy or whatever. Um, there was the fake Jeffrey Epstein list yep. that Bob Saget's name appeared on, but hmm. that has been since proven to be a fake list. So As far as we know, Bob Saget was not on the real Jeffrey Epstein list. Yeah, he was on that leaked list, though, that wasn't, I guess, shut down 
quickly enough, in my opinion. It could have ruined a lot of people's lives. Well, I mean, just just a little segue here too. You're talking about you know his aristocrat joke and kind of his dirty humor and all that sort of thing. I don't think he ever said anything that's worthy of being murdered for. Absolutely. There's a rumor Bob Saget was a pedophile. You know, just because you tell a, a joke, you know, I don't think that really puts you in that category or at least doesn't convict you to be murdered mysteriously in a room, you know. But I mean, once again, we're, we're grasping at any theory we can find here. So, hey, that one's as, as valid as anything else we can come up with because there's no there's nothing that we can really come up with that has any merit. There's not. And that's the big question remaining for me. I could totally look at the physical evidence and talk myself into believing something happened, but it's hard to find a motive. There is no apparent theft or burglary. Who's going to want to murder an aging comedian that seems to be bothering nobody? Right, exactly. The one theory that has been thrown out, again, zero, zero proof behind this, but maybe he was having an affair with another man's wife or another man's daughter, and that individual sought him out, perhaps followed him from the club and killed him. It's tough to prove that one. We don't know that he was having an affair. We know he was married. That doesn't mean he wasn't having an affair, but I think that would be really tough to prove unless somebody digs into his phone records or as footage of him with somebody else. But like you said, if we're just trying to come up with some kind of theory, I think that's one of the more logical ones. That's a, a reason that people do kill other people. Well, yeah, I guess. And do they follow him to a hotel room in Orlando and get the room right next door? I mean, Jesus, just yeah, that's there's a lot of assumptions you have to make to get there. I mean, this is tragic enough, but I think the real tragedy with this case is where it currently stands. And that is that his his death has been officially ruled as an accident. So that means authorities are not looking into anything. They don't have any resources going to finding the truth. It's basically there's no case and it's closed. This was an accident. But to me, the manner of death does not make me think accident. So even if the authorities could change their official ruling to homicide or undetermined, then that would allow them to look more into the case. But as it currently stands, no resources are, are being poured into discovering if if he actually died of an accident or if there was foul play. In order for that to happen, they would have to change that manner of death from accident to either homicide or undetermined. Undetermined is a classification that allows all kinds of possibilities for resources, whether that's doing more investigation into suspects or doing a more thorough vetting of the hotel room, which doesn't seem they did anything but take pictures of it. But until they do, the case is going to remain closed. And there are a lot of questions to get to here. One, One's motive, one's what do you believe, how somebody could have got in, and another is why would the family seal those records? So, so many things to dive into. And I know we've brushed on it, Chris, but which of those are the most intriguing questions to you? Well, I mean, first of all, the, the whole thing with the, 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 the Hulk Hogan and, and, and the COVID uh, vaccination, like first of all, Hulk Hogan, like <laughs> when I saw that on the vice, like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? Like, yeah, I love the Hulk, sir, but like, you know, that Hulk Hogan said, and it's like, what does that mean? And once again, how does getting the vaccination lead you to basically crushing your entire skull and still walking back into bed. Like what, what does that have to do? Oh, and Betty White died at the same time. And Cindy Poitier, like, what does that have to do with anything? Who cares? They have to come in threes, Chris. They have to come in threes. <laughs> Bob Sackett was just unlucky. No, I, I don't want to make light of it. Cause he, he, a man did die here. Well, but, me too. I'm not trying to make a yeah. joke of this. Obviously it's very serious and it's a terrible thing that happened, which is why we're talking about this. What I'm laughing at is these, 
implausible explanations that are just getting thrown against the wall. I mean, I'll put it back on you guys. Which theory makes the most sense to you? I, I personally do not think there's any way you could fall that hard, hurt yourself that bad, and still get into bed neatly without leaving any blood anywhere. That, to me, just is completely absurd. If I'm hurt that bad, I'm going to be dripping blood. I'm going to have blood on my pillow. I'm not going to be conscious or awake enough to get in bed in the manner that he did. So to me, it just doesn't seem plausible. So you're more likely than not beyond a reasonable doubt. Like where's your, if I were the person in charge of saying this was an accident, undetermined or a homicide, I'm going to classify it as undetermined and pour every resource I can into finding out if there was more that meets the eye. And I tell you what the problem is, Chris, with all those other theories, and I'll get to my opinion in a second, but if you hear all these things that really are outlandish and people making these crazy claims, the worst thing that that does is it makes the whole story so unbelievable that people would not take it seriously and look and see, are there real problems here? And I think that's part of what's happened. People immediately went to the extreme and it was never taken seriously enough. Hey, Chris, can I ask you a personal question i guess but like sure sure the, if the day were to come where something unfortunate happens to you with your celebrity status i mean do you want your family's privacy or do you want your fans to also be aware of what's going on like where's the line with that and do you see the the point of saget's family doing what they did let me take it one step further do saget's family know what happened to him that's a wonderful question what do they know if bob's family knows what happened and chooses not to have the rest of the world know. That's their right. But if they know what happened and don't want the world to know, that tells me something really bad happened. You know, was there a hooker in the room? Was there drugs involved that is an embarrassing look on them and they don't want it? You know what I mean? It's the same reason why apparently why, you know, ACDC never wanted to release how Bon Scott really died, which is that a lot of people say that he had a heroin overdose but that doesn't fit the ACDC narrative of partying and drinking. There's no drugs in ACDC world. So they came up with a thing that he died from alcohol right. poisoning and, and choking on his own vomit. Like that's another huge conspiracy theory within the rock world. So maybe it doesn't fit the Bob Saget narrative to be found dead with a prostitute and cocaine in the room. I mean, who knows? Right. So my answer to you is I think that that's the family's decision. We can't question that because it's the family's decision, but does the family know what happened? I agree with you. I don't think the public has a right to know, but I think if myself as a family member, if there was nothing shady there, what don't you want people to know? Is it just the pictures? And maybe it is. Maybe that's enough that they don't want autopsy pictures and those kinds of things out there. But what would that be? The the determinations before trying to arrest somebody or in, indict somebody for murder, not that we even have a suspect here, but ig- ignoring the suspect piece How convincing is it that a murder or an accident took place here that involved more than Bob Saget? And I'm kind of with John. I I think this needs to be changed to undetermined legally, but I think it's more likely than not that something happened that we don't know about that involved another person and everything has been shut down either to protect the family or perhaps to protect that person. So I think there's something not being shared with the public. And I'm not sure we're ever going to know what that would have been, but I think something's being hidden and there was some foul play. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. 
Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Is there any other theories or anything else that, that, that have come up in your research? It's really the the personal lover, whether it was somebody's wife or somebody's daughter, which tied into the pedophilia theory. That's the only one that makes any sense to me. Others claim that it was the vaccine. And then there are people that say, well, maybe it was just somebody who didn't like his comedy, somebody who thought he was part of this Jeffrey Epstein list when he wasn't, that didn't Google it before they went and somebody followed him back to the hotel and killed him. But as far as an accident goes, that seems there was no water on the floor there was no i don't think would have dried by the time they got in there but there's really no other matter of death besides either a he fell or b somebody rammed his head into something or hit him with something you know once again just the fact that he has such celebrity status the fact they just left it alone i would have to say that if you're asking me what the actual theory is i think something happened that we don't know about but his family does and it's something they find very embarrassing and don't want us to know. But we can definitely agree that he didn't slip and fall in the shower and all this other stuff that happened. If there were someone else in the room, you mentioned a hooker. I mean, it could have been a lover of some kind. If there was somebody else that the police and the family knows was in the room, it still doesn't make sense to me as to why the official ruling couldn't be undetermined. Yeah. Because you're basically, if that's the case, you're going off the word of somebody who would have been the last person to see Saget alive. So I, I don't know. I think the whole thing just boils down to how it's closed. That sucks to me. Yeah, I think every mystery movie in my mind that I've seen comes, or everyone that I've seen comes to my mind when you say it like that, because if it, let's say it's a family member and it was something that happened and then you set it up to look like an accident, you don't want the police looking any further. But that's, again, another typical movie mystery scenario, but that is a motive for the family wanting to cover it up. If there was a family member involved or they tried to clean something up or whatever. I mean, this is, this might be weird, Chris, but walk with me for a minute. Like if you and I are sharing a motel room and you fall out of the shower and knock the crap out of yourself, there's still going to be blood. Like I'm not going to clean that up and then put you in bed and then call the police. Like that makes me look guilty. Like I'm leaving you in the pool of blood and, and, making sure everything is the way that it needs to be. So for the fact that he was in bed with no other evidence, no signs of the head injury, it's too neat for it to make sense in my mind. I think that's a great phrase. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's an unsolved mystery, but I feel that it was solved. And I feel once again, like I said, his family's um, uh, reaction pretty much seals the deal for us. I, I bet you, if you asked his wife, she knew exactly what happened and they decided to keep it, secret and said the rest of the world doesn't need to know and and whatever nefarious events happened you know i think it's validated to them that they don't want us to know and if they don't want us it's really none of our business you know what you're asking me what i would think i would leave it up to my family's wishes okay you know that makes sense humphrey bogart said the only thing i owe my fans is my performance and you know (laughs) the only thing i owe my fans when i die is uh, is my performance the rest is kind of up to the ones that love you and the ones that have to deal with it. Let's be honest. If there was something pretty embarrassing that happened, which seemingly it did, maybe they don't want to deal with the consequences in a public forum either. Right. Do you think we could find this out or do you think it's just closed to us forever? Who knows? Maybe one of his kids might say something. I don't know exactly how many people are in his family or whatever it may be, but there's definitely, 
you know, like we said, I, I think there has been some closure in the case, which is why even the cops are leaving it alone. You know, I mean, they had all these internet sleuths talking during the the Vice Channel uh, special that were giving their theories. You know, and once again, I think all of us are just kind of guessing. And and, and, one, and once again, if it was just a, a guy, it would be forgotten and no one would ever talk about it. But the fact it was, like you said, America's dad and, and uh, a very, very famous, you know, recognizable guy, people will always want to know what happened. It'll, it'll To the end of time, will be discussed and debated just like we've done today. Yeah, I think it'll be one of those that just celebrity deaths we keep talking about. Uh, one of those, do you have a strong opinion about Kurt Cobain and what happened? Well, that's a whole other show. But once again, that's another completely interesting. Yeah, it is. We could probably go through a whole list of them. Yeah. I mean, I did one on, on the death of Prince, which was very strange. Right. You know, there's right. a lot of these with the death of Michael Jackson. Very strange. Yep. I, I think all of us, especially guys in our field, always want to kind of swing towards murder and crime. You know, I think some of them are crime. I think some of them are just accidents. You know, I don't think Michael Jackson intended to overdose on whatever the fuck he was on, fentanyl right. or whatever it was. The same way I don't think Tom Petty wanted to, you know? So yeah. it's it's just kind of the mysteries of life and this the mystery of Bob Saget, I think, like you said, it definitely has a lot of different things that tell us that there is more to what has actually been told to us and we'll probably never know for sure. And that's just the way that they want it. And we'll have to just debate it as a result. Well, gives us something to talk about. It's a good time. That's it. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate you joining me as always. Very well researched. And we've discussed the theories. And now we have to come back with another topic. Once again, it's always sad when you have to talk about someone's passing. But I think there's a lot of mysteries here. And I'm glad we got a chance to discuss it. Yeah. Thank you for having us on again. We really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Chris. All right, guys. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. See ya. See you, ma'am. 